One of my good friends passed away two years ago. If you read my blog or newsletter, you may have seen some stuff about it. Actually, on the day I'm recording this intro, there's a memorial mass for him at Georgetown University, but unfortunately, I lacked the funds currently to fly up for it. Well, when I did attend his funeral in October 2017, one of the things that stood out from that day is that this kid I had barely seen since college asked me while we're sitting in the pew, so do you think you'll stay in Texas? It was a logical question because I'd been divorced a few months prior and maybe I would go somewhere else, do something else, reinvent. So this kid asked me, what's your five-year plan? Basically, as our friend's casket is being pushed down the aisle. It was a pretty jarring contradiction. And when I got back, I wrote this post about how dumb the five-year plan concept even feels. That's one of many themes in this episode with Brian Andreco who has his own site and podcast called Just Get Started. You should check his stuff out because he's got some A-level guests on there, and it's generally a great show. As you might guess, Just Get Started is about how there's never a perfect time to pursue something, so just go for it. It's a cool theme, and we talk about that, five-year plans, 10-year plans, North Stars, sleep, fitness, Instagram likes, and more. Let's dive in. I'll tell you what I'll I'll um I'll take it. Let me sorry, let me turn the volume down a second. There you go. Um, I'll uh, I'll take it back even a little further than that because I think that can help pull to the actual story of kind of how it happened. So what I you know I'm 36 years old and what I noticed was you know in my 20s I had always had I thought a great work ethic back you know, growing up, like I had a paper route since I was 11, um, you know, doing that every single day. I was active in a golf, like I'd practice hours a day. I thought I always had, thought I had a good work ethic and even into my twenties that remained. But what I noticed was I kind of got complacent and I wasn't learning as much as I thought I should be learning as I look back in, in retrospect. And so what that led me to kind of the short story, I guess, is about four or five years ago, I say, um, not exact, but I really had this um, almost epiphany, if you will. And it's not like I woke up one day. I think it was just a a randomness over a handful of years. Um, partly it was as I transitioned out of the golf industry into you know business and sales and wanting to do some other things. Um, another part was, you know, like uncovering what I call, you know, virtual mentors. You know, I came across Gary Vaynerchuk uh, in 2011, which seems like a, li- a lifetime ago, eight years. Uh, but it was when, you know, Twitter was, you know, kind of just starting out and YouTube was only a couple years in. And that kind of helped change my mindset of like, am I doing really all that I want to do in life? Or am I kind of just, you know, chips in the middle done? You know, I'm, I'm I got a family. I'm, you know, starting this new career. I have some good friends, like things are good. And so to kind of lead that story forward, what I had figured out about four or five years ago, I said, I want to learn a lot more. Like I, I don't want to cash it in. I want to like be this lifelong learner. So what I started to do was just explore. Like it was just like an explosion of just research and insight and thoughts um, around things that are passionate about business and sales and entrepreneurship around fitness and nutrition. And we can get into all this, but to your question, that was like a, you know, going around the, uh, the circle there to get to the answer is I had realized several years back, I, I'd always kind of wanted to do something around like podcasting or radio or something, because I was told back when I was 18, I had one of my teachers in high school, uh, Mr. Hines, pull me aside and say, hey, Brian, you got great pitch and tone. You know, you should be on radio someday. And I said, man, that's pretty cool. And, you know, that kind of never left me. And people had said that throughout my adult life. So as I thought about, hey, what do I want to do different in life? You know, I thought about starting my own business. Um, and, and doing some other things. Well, the podcast kind of crept up because I love listening to podcasts. I love learning that way. And the reason it's called Just Get Started is because I failed at starting it two years prior than when I actually started it. So the podcast, the first episode launched in, right around Thanksgiving of 2017. But for two years prior, 
um, I had went to a conference and met some folks and one of them was someone that did some podcasting and I kept saying, hey, man, I'm going to start a podcast. And then I saw him the next year at the the same conference and said, oh, I didn't start one this year, but hey, maybe next year I'm really going to do it. And so finally that third year there, so two years after I first met this guy, I said, dude, I'm doing it. Like I'm sick of procrastinating. I'm sick of the excuses. And uh, and a few months later, I uh, I started. And that's actually why it was called Just Get Started because I, w- I had thought about a variety of topics. Don't want to talk about sports. Do I want to go niche? Like I'm a big 49ers fan. Do I just talk about them? You know, like all this stuff. And I decided just get started because it's kind of at the core of who I am, you know, as someone that is entrepreneurial, but someone that wants to help change the world and impact in a different way. I just needed to kick myself into gear because I had the fear of what people had thought about me or what they were going to think about me and, and all these pressures of like, am I good enough? Um, and ultimately after I got on that other side of fear, it was just unbelievable. And, uh, and that's ultimately, you know, episode one kicked off and yeah, here we are episode whenever this airs or people listen, you know, I'm in the seventies and, and the goal is to keep going uh, full throttle with it. So that was a long winded story, but hopefully that gives you a little insight. No, that's good, man. And I think a lot of people obviously have the same process for when stuff gets going. I know on mine, both like I have a blog that I've been doing for about five to six years now. And I I guess I started in October 2013. And I was probably thinking about it from like 2010. And I didn't really do it uh, successfully or consistently until 2013. Same deal with this. I had a podcast. I probably got into the 80s episode wise and maybe like 2011 2012 and i had wanted to get back to it and it was kind of like to your point there wasn't one like wake up one day and just like start booking people to talk to it was like a process of time and then i just like had to hit a point where i you know to your wording just got started one thing i wanted to ask you is when you talked about some of that late 20s early 30s complacency um, I'm 38 right now, so I'm a little bit older than you, but just a couple of years. So do you think that some of that complacency was rooted in like uh, having a W-2 type job at the time or just like what you're supposed to go through as you're like starting out a family or like a sales career? Like what do you think the root of the complacency was? Because I hear a lot of people talk about that um, and I always just wonder like what? It feels like, especially for men, a lot of times late 20s, early 30s, that stuff does set in. I just want to know what you think the origin of the complacency side of it is. Yeah, you know, if I think back and as I do reflect on some of this stuff, um, I think there's a variety. I don't think it's just one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but if I, if I were to kind of dance around it, I guess, in a few different lights, I mean, partly it's um, partly it's upbringing. And partly it was society, you know, kind of me thinking society like this box that we live in, like this is it. Hey, you get married, you have, you know, a a child or children, you you have work a job, you grow up in the job. And I kind of had this like idea like, hey, that's what it was. You know, all these people that are running businesses and doing whatever, they got lucky. You know, they did that. This is my mindset as I was younger. And what I kind of told myself of uh, they got lucky or they got the right opportunity or they did this and that. And what I realized was, is that I was making excuses and that I was complaining and it was the woe is me. And it was a bunch of, you know, I don't know if I can swear on your podcast, but BS. And the reality was that that was what ultimately kind of took the the lid off, if you will, and, and kind of helped with this explosion. But yeah, that that's kind of what I went through. I was just I was complacent because and I think most people go through this that I talk with um, and it doesn't mean they're younger, just in general, that they just have this feeling that, that that's just how it is. Like I, I, li- I work this job and, and my mind is the way it is because that's how they've created their mind to be. You know, one of the great quotes that I use, I, I'm big on quotes and stuff, but one of the great quotes, you know, from Seneca, um, he was a, a philosopher thousands of years ago, is, you know, we suffer most often in imagination than in reality. And I use that a lot because we think in our mind, like we come up with these stories about how things are, but we never actually explore what they could be. And that was the difference for me was to get away from this, like, 
you know, being complaining, you know, complacent and complaining every day and saying, hey, this person got lucky and and nope, I just, you know, I just got a bad set of cards. That's BS because I got a, I grew up in a middle class family in upstate New York. You know, I'm a white male in the United States. Like I got it pretty good from that standpoint. Um, and it was just, I was getting lazy in my twenties because I was just like, this is how it's going to be and, and whatever. So once I got over the complaining and said, you can't do that anymore. If you want your life to be different and you want to be fulfilled in life, you have to stop judging. You have to stop complaining. You have to stop doing all that stuff. Cause I'd always been a positive guy, like a glass half full. I'd always been a, you know, I always, I think I'm a kind person, a good, I care about people, but I'd still kind of in that, in the back room, kind of, you know, in the dark, still be complaining, still be looking at others and, and having when others looked at me, I let that affect me a lot. You know, I let people tell me I wasn't good enough. I let people tell me that I'm not going to, you know, I'm a dreamer. I let people tell me that I'm not going to accomplish a lot in life. And that was just part of the upbringing and that, that psyche that goes on with a lot of people. I started believing it because that's what people told me. So that, that was a lot of, uh, again, a lot of just all over the place, but hopefully that makes sense. Like that, no, that's really totally. what I went through. Um, um, I was going to ask too. I mean, I, I've had a couple of people come on that are big uh, Gary V people and I have moments with it. I think some of his stuff can be like BSE, but a lot of it is good, no doubt. So I was wondering to kind of tie those things together. Do you think that because now we have this more connected culture, which obviously has some drawbacks, but we have people out there saying like, hey, there is something on the other side of fear. There is a way to push through excuses. We have like this quote unquote influencer culture, like hustle culture, and there are pros and cons to it. But do you think that that could or has the potential to like broadly shift the mindset so you're going to see more and more people try to do some entrepreneurial venture type thing instead of do the traditional path? Do you think that that the the way that things have been could evolve because of kind of like the amount of like knowledge that's floating around uh, in the world right now? I mean, absolutely. Um, and it's one of those things that's really interesting. You know, when you when you, so you talk Gary Vee, obviously, right? Yeah. Um, but it's kind of one of those things like, I, I don't know what would have happened if I if I didn't come across Gary or maybe I lived in a different era. I mean, well, let's not play the what ifs. That's just how life is. But that opened my eyes because I was sheltered. I just pulled this up here just because my memory sometimes is not good. But um, I think it was Albert Einstein that you know came this. But, you know, everybody's a genius, you know, kind of thing. But if you teach, you know, basically if it's, you know. The thing is, if you teach a fish its ability to climb a tree or if you judge it by its ability to climb a tree, it will spend its whole life believing that it's, you know, stupid, um, something along those lines. Right. It's right. the whole idea of like, I was sheltered. I was, I was listening to, um, actually the exact quote is, sorry, cause that was like butchered. Everybody's a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will spend its whole life believing that it's stupid. Um, so the whole idea with that is, and I, and I kind of, again, that was one of the, the one of the quotes I, I kind of liked cause I was sheltered. And I think a lot of people are like this. You're sheltered. It's the group that you hang around with. Um, I don't know if you listen to like Tim Ferriss. I know he's he mentions this a lot. He didn't coin this, but you know, you're kind of the average of the five people that you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely believe that because as, as I started changing the people that I surrounded myself with and started to um, have different conversations, that ultimately changed my thinking. And that's why today I'm like full all in like mindset extremely positive and gratitude. Not that I wasn't some of that before, but I'm kind of all chips in the middle on that because I believe that is the key to fulfilling life. So going back to what you're asking about Gary and even Gary's tune, like I said, I've been listening to him for eight years. He was all grind and hustle and, you know, the whole thing. And now if you look at some of his messaging, a lot of it is around gratitude and hey, you yeah. know, you're maybe you're not meant to run your own business, but hey, be happy and fulfilled in life. His his message has changed a lot over the last few years. Um, if you if you've kind of followed his journey, and ultimately, because I think that's the culture has changed a little bit. So having like influencers or what I call virtual mentors, I think is powerful because 
not everyone has access to people that they can talk to or learn from. So if you do latch on to people like that, and obviously that they're telling good messages, they're not telling you to do you know harmful things. I think that can only be a good thing. But just as Gary says, like he doesn't want he really doesn't want you to watch his content. He'd rather you go execute. And that's actually one of those things that I barely watch his videos anymore. I'll still follow him on Instagram and stuff, but I don't really watch a ton of his stuff anymore. But years ago, I'd consume hours and hours and hours of his content a week. But it's now I'm starting to actually execute and put that into play. So it's just a matter of time before, you know, fortunately, I was the one one of those folks that was able to say, hey, this is his message. I, I believe in it. I trust what he's saying. Now I actually have to go do this. I can't just have these ideas anymore. So yeah, I absolutely think it's valuable, um, virtual mentors and, and stuff like that. I'm sure there's some downside to, to anything. Uh, but it's just like if you had someone that you trusted and they were giving you bad advice, it's the same thing, whether it's in person or someone on a computer. Right. On the um, on the five friends thing, I've heard that obviously from Tim Ferriss. I've heard it in other contexts, too. But one of my friends has kind of like a fitness uh, nutrition type podcast deal. And I go on that sometimes. And we did a episode about um, the whole five friends concept. So I've heard it in a lot of different context one thing i think is interesting um as a dude moving through like 20s and 30s and like what comes with that i feel like and you might have had the same experiences i feel like your core subs i don't know how i want to word this i would say a lot of times maybe your core um, base friends that you can count on family members whatever that may remain consistent but I feel like, so I'm 38, um, almost everybody I was hanging out with when I turned 30, I don't really talk to that consistently anymore. And some of the same, we have some of the same overlap in that like I was with somebody for a long time, we broke up. So there's like, you know, obviously life changes and everything, but I was wondering, do you think like mid 20s, late 20s, early 30s, like would you say your average five uh that concept do you think those people shifted a lot or was it relatively consistent because for me i felt like if you're looking every three years in that period my um average of the five people i spend the most time with would probably be different you know every 36 months and i don't know if the experience was somewhat similar for you um, yeah, I don't know if I can put a time frame right. on it or that it changed that much. What I will tell you is this. Let, let me make a couple, um, I guess, statements to that that may resonate with some folks. So one is I, I was really blessed with, you know, I'm from upstate New York and I had a good core group of friends. Um, I mean, it's people that I knew since preschool and kindergarten. They're still like best friends of mine. If you can imagine, that's rare. Um, and a lot of them moved down. You know, I live in the, the North, you know, Cary, North Carolina, but right around, you know, the Capitol Raleigh. And a lot of those folks moved down for a variety of reasons for jobs and such. Um, so we're still friends and then we still we still catch up for kids birthday parties and stuff here and there. And so I still have that core group of friends. Some obviously are better friends than others just because, you know, you spend a little more time with them, but they're still there. But when, when I tell people when they ask this, I say they're always going to be my best friends. We cannot see each other for a year and we can go out and have a blast. Right. Um, and, and just pick up where we left off, right? Everyone hopefully has some of those friends and, and I'm sure most do. What I've changed though is, you know, again, being an entrepreneur, I mean, the stuff I'm doing with the podcast, I'm writing a children's book now, I have some other things I'm doing as well. Some of those folks as well as others, when they hear that, it's 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 like the eyes wide open, like what the, what the hell are you doing? Almost like it's crazy talk. Right. Um, and not that it's bad. It's just a different thinking on life on what they want versus what I want. And so what I've adjusted, like if you look at this year alone, um, the the people that I've hung out with or I've had conversations with are more in line, not with my thinking. It doesn't have to be always like minded because I think my worldview is a certain way. It doesn't mean that I don't. Um, it's like people that are, you know, uh, you know, Republicans saying, hey, I'm not hanging out with a Democrat because like I don't believe that's a, to me again, that's BS. It's like I want to I don't 
as long as we can get along and have a, a good debate, I don't care what your worldviews are on. That's the whole point of life, I think, is to learn and expand. I may not agree with you, but I certainly will respect you. Um, and that's the whole point with a lot of the people I've met this year. You know, I, I've got involved with a great community called NextGen. Um, and a lot of folks, if they listen to this podcast, check it out. Um, you know, I think it's ngsummit.com is their website, but type in NextGen online. And it's a group of thousands of entrepreneurs and um, you know, business owners and stuff like that. People that are kind of thinking a little bit differently, if you will, in that light. And some of these folks have become lifelong friends just this year. Because we we have a respect for each other. We talk through things. I can go to them for a business advice or insight. They'll come to me and vice versa. So I started to change my circle, if you will. Not that the other circle went away. It's just my time and the way I spend things is with some of those folks. And I'll add one other thing, if you don't mind. I've also taken a lot of people. I think you mentioned this briefly, right, is a lot of some of the people that I've talked with over the last, let's say, 10 years that haven't added value to my life, um, meaning they've been takers and, but they haven't been givers. I'm a giver. Like I want to help people out and, and certainly, you know, there'll be a, a give take here and there, but those are people I've kind of, um, exited out of my life. Not that I wouldn't talk to them if they called me or we, you know, if we met up somewhere, but I'm not actively pursuing that relationship because again, they just don't, they're not in line with my values as, you know, how we should treat human beings or how we should be um, as human beings. Uh, different than the, you know, the worldview type of stuff. It's just kind of core values of like, no, I want to be nice to people and help them out. If you're only calling me because you want something like, you know, I, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to always be trying to hang out with you because I know what how the conversation's going to go. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but. Oh, no, totally. Uh, and I mean, yes. that's a big, I don't, I don't know if you've stumbled on this, but that's a big uh, Adam Grant thing, like givers and takers. It's kind of like a, he's like a thought leader in a different way, um, which is more like w workplace and relationship discussions. But he has a whole book about that where, Obviously, it's better for your emotional health, your stress levels, if you're removing takers from your life, because there's always going to be takers. I mean, I don't know contextually what you think of like something like LinkedIn. I feel like it generally has value. I think most people don't probably maximize platforms like that as best as they could. But I mean, even like if you go on LinkedIn, there's like so much take involved in it, you know, where people are just sending you like cold messages about whatever. And you're like, how would this possibly benefit my life? Right. And we're supposed to live in this era that's like very relationship first and like multinational, like business potential and like building relationships. But there's still a lot of people in the world that are take first instead of give first and you're probably never going to totally eradicate that uh, but i i mean i agree with you totally mindset wise on that so tell me what um what is this children's book um about what's the what's the theme or approach there yeah so uh and, and by the way if you want to have a linkedin discussion we might set up a whole other hour for that <laughs> because i yeah. like on LinkedIn that uh, maybe differ from most people, um, but that's all. That's all another show. Um, yeah. So the the children's book. This is really, you know, this is fascinating actually um, to me because it's actually what we've been talking about. It's about you know, are you happy with where you're at in life, and are you letting other people dictate what you want to do in life, or are you going to kind of go after what you want? So the children's book is the first in a series um, that I'm going to be writing, and that's my goal at least. And the funny thing is I wrote this book almost six years ago, um, but I put it down because what I just mentioned earlier um, around, you know, people telling me I wasn't good enough or you're going to write a book. What are you crazy? Like, you're not an author. You almost failed English in high school. What are you talking about? You know, like those type of things. And that got to me. So I wrote a book. Um, this first one is called Luke's first round of golf. So it's actually, um, I wrote it as my son was about being born because I'm a big golfer. Um, so, and obviously that was my background. I used to teach golf and stuff. So I wrote this book is about, you know, my son growing up and me introducing him to the game and then eventually 
um, him playing the game of golf. Um, so that's the first one in this series. And what's again, what's more great about the story than golf. And again, some people will want to read it just from a golf or sports standpoint. It has, I think it has some great tones of, um, actually, you know, father and, and son and, and those type of things relationship, but as a deeper story for some, I think to learn is that just because I wrote it six years ago, the, the reason now I'm pulling it back out is because my confidence changed in myself and how I look at the world has changed. And it's something now I said, nope, I'm completing this. And one of the goals, so I actually, this is the first year I've always done some sort of kind of goal setting, written them down a little bit, but you know, kind of not in the full that I really should have. So this is the first year and I'm, I'm I know I'm going in circles. I usually go on tangents, but the, no, uh, all good. I wrote um, I wrote um, on my board this year. So on my uh, my accountability mirror, if you will, my mirror in my bathroom, I wrote three goals. One of them was to publish this children's book this year. And so that kind of, you know, put me in say, oh, hey, I'm, I have to, you know, kind of finish up the, the text. So I had about 50, 60 percent written, let's say. Um, so I got I'm, I'm basically done. I'm ninety nine point nine percent. I'm tweaking a word here or there as I'm working with the illustrator. Um, but the goal right now, at least the timeline we've set, is that this is going to launch by um, by the end of November 2019, and uh, and we'll be out. But again, the the, the big story to wrap everything in um, is that, like I said, you can do what you want in life, and even if you have put something down, or maybe it was a dream you had, or it was an idea you had, doesn't mean you can't pick it back up. You just can't worry about what other people are going to think about you, and what and once you get past that. It's just a whole nother ballgame. So, you know, one of the things, and I don't mind sharing this, I'm very open about, you know, things. So, you know, my wife and I got separated last year and that was a big thing because I was in, I was in an unhappy relationship. Um, I'm sure she would agree as well, but luckily we've been very mutual with it, very amicable um, and everything's been really good. And, but once I kind of got out of that and had, had a different vision on things, that's where I was like, there's no way I'm not publishing this book. And it's publishing really for, yes, selfishly for me and, and for my son, right? But also to tell the story to other people that are like me that, again, need to get started is that you could do it. Whether you start right now or, hey, even if you put something down years ago, what's wrong with picking it back up again? The only thing you have to worry about is the judging from other people. And once you get over that, sky's the limit. Um, so that's the first part of this series. I What I what I'm ultimately want to do is... I don't think there's enough books out there that are sharing stories with kids. And I'm talking kids that are five, six, seven, up to maybe, you know, maybe preteen um, sharing stories about real life. You know, so this is a fun one about golf and it has, a, you know, some little stuff in there just because this is the one I wrote. So I thought, hey, this would be a good one to start with. But, you know, I'm writing one now on mindset. Um, there's a couple others that I'm thinking around like bullying and um and uh and nutrition and stuff like that things that i think kid you know finances things that kids should be talking about with their parents um, but their parents for some reason because i was like this growing up they don't want to share those stories right uh, for whatever reason they want to kind of shelter the kids i think it's important that kids know about this stuff yeah. um, so anyways that's the that's the plan at least um let's get the <laughs> first one out first i'm trying not to put right. too too many uh too many balls in the basket, if you will. Um, yeah, so yeah that's, that's what the book's about. I've, I've always thought it's amazing that if you really get down to it, it's like, okay, um, sex is something that creates you as a person. Uh, failure happens every day. Uh, money kind of determines the type of life that you can have, at least in the first world. And like, these are things that are huge aspects of life and like nobody ever wants to discuss them as people are growing up. Right. And I don't know whether that's like, Oh, you know, sex is like a taboo topic. Money to some people is like a gauche topic. Like don't talk about how much you earn or whatever. Failure is like obviously a challenging topic, but I think we like position younger generations to like not have the right context around some of these things because we don't discuss it. So in that way, doing books around some of those topics and having lessons within them and mindsets within them, that's a very noble pursuit. So I think that's a really cool thing. And if I can add something, and this is probably the, the biggest thing and hopefully maybe a great takeaway for the listeners is that I've developed my North Star, as I call it, 
Mm-hmm. And that's that's changed everything. So, you know, if I look at even the last four or five years of this discovery, this learning, uh, it was always still there was a lot of unknown, like, OK, what what do I want to do? How, how do I want to impact the world? Right. How do I want to make the world a better place than than when I came into it? And that's where I kind of you know had these lot of thought. You know, I always wanted to start a software company and a business and all this stuff. And what I've changed more recently, and, and what I'm calling my North Star is, I don't believe, and this is my thought, I don't believe you have to have a, hey, in 10 years and put a kind of a flag in the ground, like I'm going to be the, you know, the CEO of this company. Like, to me, that's not, I don't think that's the right way to go about it. For me, I think it's a North Star. This is kind of the direction I want to head in, but you never know what twists and turns along the adventure are going to happen that may take you in a different spot, but at least leading you to that. So to go back to what I I was just mentioned with the book, you know, part of the reason the children's book, I could have wrote any book. The part of the reason it's a children's book is I, I want to do things that are going to impact the youth. Not that folks like me and you, like our ages and, and people that are older, it's not that I don't want to tell stories to them. I do. And that's, you know, why I, I do the podcast and stuff. But I really understand that there's not a ton of people that get into their 30s and 40s and beyond that want to change. There's a small, small percentage that decide to like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and, and get fit if they've never been fit or I'm going to start eating better. Or I'm going to change a whole career, whatever it might be. Um, but I think the youth the opportunity for them, as you just mentioned, to learn about finances so they don't get into debt, to understand nutrition and health so that they don't, for, I mean, this is fascinating. I was listening to a, a podcast, um, and this is one from about a year ago, but I let's listen to a lot of Joe Rogan. I can't remember the gentleman's name, so I'm not, I won't give him credit. Um, <laughs> I wish I could, but off the top of my head, but you know, he was talking about a third of the United States, so 100 million people have diabetes or pre-diabetes. That's just mm-hmm. fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. That we have that epidemic in the world, but it's only getting worse. It's not getting better. And the healthcare system is not helping it. So if we can educate the youth on this stuff, well, maybe that they can ultimately change the outcome of the gen- of their generation and the generations that come after them. So those are things that are, are important to me. So my North Star really is, how do I tell better stories? How do I help educate the youth? How do I give them a better opportunity than I had growing up? Um, so that's my North Star. So a lot of the decisions I make, the podcast episodes and stuff, um, the the children's books, some other stuff I'm doing business wise, it all kind of lends itself to that North Star. And the reason I'm telling this and going a little deep is, and maybe it's something your listeners, it, it allows me to make choices and ultimately say no and make tough decisions. Because I get, you know, I get people asking me to do a lot of things or, hey, Brian, can you help me here or there? And I want to help everyone. But sometimes you just have to say no. And if I don't believe like it's in the direction of my North Star, I say no. And so, you know, I don't know what the decision, I don't know what's going to happen if I did say yes. I don't worry about it. Once I say no, I forget about it. But I want to do things that are leading me toward that North Star and the things that I care about, that I'm passionate about, and ultimately I think can help impact the world. So I didn't mean to go too deep on that, but I think that's a valuable lesson for a lot of folks is to have that North Star. And by the way, you might not know it yet. But start uncovering and un- unraveling things to figure out, okay, what is my North Star? What do I ultimately want to accomplish in life? And, and then start walking in that direction. Totally. Um, okay, so within that, uh, one thing that I think is interesting, and you know, you don't have to go into too much detail on this, but I do think people struggle with this stuff, and it could be an interesting conversation. I have some of my own struggles within it so in the context of north star and figuring out what your broader purpose is um i guess the easiest way to phrase this is kind of like what's your thirty-five thousand foot take on relationships because like you were saying you were in one you guys got separated um do you what i've heard from people as they get into their like mid thirties, late thirties, early forties. And I feel like I experienced this a little bit myself is like, if you met somebody in your twenties, obviously the relationship has to evolve. And as you as individuals evolve. So what I guess, like, again, you don't have to go into too much detail, but give me 
give me some takeaways um, that you've had from that relationship or other ones in terms of like just the evolution of like being with somebody, uh, trying to build a life, co-parenting, whatever with somebody, and maybe how some of that's changed in the past like five to 10 years or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think at the core, at least what I've figured out as I look back is I, I think just values have to be in line. Um, you know, what you're what you are as a person, who you are as a person just have to be in line. And obviously there's some shared interests I think is important. Um, and as I mentioned, you know, when I was in my mid 20s, um, she was a little bit older. You know, I was in my mid 20s and it, it was kind of remember society around. We, we talked about this earlier, like. I just had the thing like, hey, I met this this beautiful woman like she had a career. She was, you know, um, it was really awesome. So it's like, hey, this is the next step, you know, and and fortunately, she thought similar to me. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, and and we went forward with things. So it was kind of one of those like, OK, hey, this is it. I'm, I met this woman. Great. We're going to do this and then we're going to have some kids and, and so on and so forth. And. We just, this life changed. And, and again, I partially said, you know, I changed a lot. Um, certainly, we didn't have a lot of similar values. So when we had our struggles, um, which I think some of the best relationships I've seen or people I talk with that appear to be in the best relationships is that when they go through struggles and, and frustrating times, they can always go back to that that's kind of center point of, hey, these are our values. These are what we believe in. Hey, if they're similar, let's go back to that equilibrium. We didn't really have that. Um, and I think that was the big kind of learning for me coming out of it. Um, and at the end of the day, like, I mean, I, as I mentioned, I, I know a lot of people that, she's oh, co-parenting is like a nightmare, right? I'm very fortunate. I mean, she's she's really good to co-parent with. We, we try to help our son as best as possible. Um, you know, it's a mutual respect, even though we don't agree on a lot of things, right? It's still, it's a meet in the middle type process. But, you know, there's a lot of people that are worse off and a lot of, you know, sour relationships that have and, and really it impacts the son. I think this goes back to what we're talking about our North Star with the relationship with co-parenting. Hers and I both North Star is that we want to take care of our son and we want to make him as happy as possible. So we do whatever we can to make that happen. And we keep our differences behind closed doors and in our conversations we have with one another. We don't expose that to him. We don't, I hear too many people like talk bad about the other, you know, the other parent in front of the kids and stuff. And I'm like, that's just so immature. Uh, there's no reason to do that. Let's be adults. Let's understand that, hey, it didn't work out and that's fine right? People change, life changes, but we still are impacting, you know, this young, this young boy, we want to make sure that his life is still happy and, and stuff like that. So um, I think from a relationship standpoint, again, I, everyone's different, you know, and it's kind of like, that, that's like the, the going answer. Everyone's different, like everyone's relationship's different. All I would say is, is just explore the deep, you know, impact of how the values are, which each person that you're with, and ultimately, you know, I, I listened to this on a um, on a podcast a while back and I thought it was really refreshing it was like someone go, you know, be in a relationship with someone you enjoy going to dinner with every day. And I thought that was really interesting. It wasn't like, oh, this person has to do this or they have to have this job. But the fact that if you can just get through a couple hour dinner and have it's not a bore and it's not like a struggle and you can actually have good conversation every day because you're going to have a lot of dinners with this person. That's almost just as important because your values are probably in line, your thought process, not that you don't challenge each other, but your thought process is kind of in line of how you see the world. So I think there's a lot of a um, uh, lot of value, I think, to that statement of just try to have dinner with someone and make it, you know, make it a, a exciting and uh, impactful dinner each and every time. And ultimately, that, that may be the person that you're with um, going forward. So, yeah, it's a good um that's a good, I guess, barometer litmus test would be the word there. Actually, what's funny is I saw a article about two years ago about guys fearing retirement in the context of a succession planning at companies and all that. And one of the quotes in that article was, there was some like metals company CEO who was in his 70s. And uh, he said something like, well, you know, you take a vow 
um, for better or worse, richer or poorer, but you don't take a vow to like eat lunch every day consistently. So like, what am I going to do when I retire? You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> I always thought that was funny. Like, seems like a really odd reason to be fearful of retirement, but obviously that's a deep dive we could go into about like the relevance that people associate to work and everything. But one well, thing. Oh, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. No, I was go going to add a quick note on top of that, if I could. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it's fascinating because, yeah, that's the whole, you know, people work 40 years, 50 years, and it's like, all right, I'm going to I'm gonna retire. I think there's some stat out there, and, and you have to fact check me on this, but I believe there's some stat about people, like, when they retire, how many actually, I, I think it's actually die or have some, like, big health um, issue within a couple years after retirement. Yep. Because yep. a, there are, there's the routine. a... Yeah, the routine yep. changes and, and, they, and they don't have anything to live for, if you will. And that's why I think it's so important to like people have asked me. I was just talking about this when I was up in New York City last week is like, um, you know, they're talking about retirement. I'm like, dude, I'm never going to retire because if I enjoy what I'm doing, like it, I'm not sure. Maybe I won't do it as many hours or I'll, I'll you know, do some different things. But the what, what the general term that I grew up knowing of retiring is, hey, I get to 65 and I stop working and I just basically relax the rest of my life. I'm like, right. Ugh, that sounds boring to me. Right. I, have hard time, I have a hard time sitting still for five minutes. Oh, my God. Right. So anecdotally, it's like, I mean, maybe not the best example, but like Paterno, when he like was forced out, retired, he probably died within like six months. And then. Um, there's one, I want to say it's like two guys from 60 minutes, like safer and somebody else where they retired and it was like within a year, they like had significant health problems slash died. Um, so those are just anecdotally. Um, but I agree. I think the notion of retirement is probably uh, dead around our age group. I think as you're 65 and older, uh, how you break up what's work versus leisure or how you integrate them is going to be different. Um, I think that's already happening to people in their thirties and forties right now. I don't think conventional, like get to 65 and go on a bunch of cruises. Retirement is really um, in the cards for a lot of people in the next 40 to 50 years. But I mean, I could be mistaken about that, but I wouldn't think so. Well, what's fascinating, too, is that, you know, I, um, uh, Damon John, I, I saw something, you know, from Shark Tank and, and obviously started FUBU. Um, something he mentioned that was really fascinating, I hadn't thought about before, was like, you know, what you learn, like when you're 20, 22, you're, you're spending all this money to go to college and get this degree. 30 years later, that might not even be a relevant career anymore or 40 years later. So you have to keep acquiring skills and keep acquiring knowledge and insight so that you are um, kind of valuable. If you're going to work for a company, which most people do, you are valuable later on in life where it's not just, you know, some people, as we see, they're, they're 53, they get laid off and they have nowhere to go because they haven't really done the necessary things to keep learning. Um, Chip Conley has a great book. You know, he was, uh, had a great hospitality brand. He was on my podcast, I think episode 20 or so, but you know, Airbnb brought him in to grow their whole uh, hospitality business. But he has this great kind of initiative. He had this book called The Modern Elder about, you know, transitioning as being older into a younger company because a lot of startups, right, these younger entrepreneurs and being able to not only be there and learn, but also be able to share advice and, and kind of have this molding of these kind of two generations. So if anyone's kind of in that, especially that age of you know maybe the 40s, 50s, whatever, um, a book called Modern Elder by Chip Conley may be something to pick up and, and read through. He's a pretty cool guy. Okay, so the last thing I wanted to ask you, and this is kind of like a bigger question, and it's like on the spot, so you don't have to have some otherworldly answer to it. But so generally, um, my episodes cover kind of like people 25 to 50 and like different life experiences they've had. So let's say you're probably about nine, 10 years, or I guess 11 years past 25. Um, in that span of time so far, and we've covered some of the uh, bigger like learnings or changes in your mindset that you've had, but what are some of the bigger um, 
kind of like lessons or realizations? Again, you've talked about some of them so far, but what are kind of the bigger lessons or realizations that you've had in the last like 10 years or so? And again, I know I'm putting you on the spot, so it doesn't have to be some deeply profound thing, but um, just anything that uh, comes to mind or resonates with you quickly too. Yeah, let me uh, let me put a couple of things. I'm thinking about it as I go. Um, so first and foremost, I, I think the biggest thing. So I'll I'll, I'll kind of say three things, um, which I, they kind of all work together. But uh, I think mindset, and that word gets thrown around a lot, you know, nowadays, right? It's kind of the popular, hey, your mindset. Um, I think that's such a massive thing. And when I say mindset, I'm thinking of a positive mindset how you talk to yourself, the words you say to yourself, the words you say to other people, um, you know, how you view things, right? What's your perspective? Like I'm a glass, someone called me the other week. They're like, Brian, you're not glass half full. You're three quarters of the way full. I'm like, that's just how I am. You know, I'm an optimistic guy. Um, there's greater tragedies in life. Like I need to, if this is what I'm getting, you know, upset about, like, Oh, I'm, I'm in a bad spot. So having a positive mindset and how you view things I think changes everything because it allows you to look at things as opportunities and not, you know, problems, I guess. Um, and allows you to one people, you're better to be around, right? You're a nicer person when you're positive, right? When you're talking more positively, have you ever been around someone that talks negative? Oh my God. It's right. like, geez, get me out of here. So, and, and you, but I think that's a big thing. So in line with mindset, I think that the self-awareness is so important. That was one of the big changes for me. I realized I was complaining a lot. I realized that I was, um, you know, kind of getting in my own way to be able to change and, and kind of have a better, more fulfilling life, not only for me, but for my son, for people around me. So that was kind of the, I guess, the big thing over the last maybe 10 or 11 years is the mindset and, and that self-awareness of I control a lot of this, Right. The second part, so kind of a part B to that is if I control it, I don't need to listen to other people and what they think. And not that I don't take advice or not that I don't, you know, I have friends that I, I consult or whatever. I think that's important. But if someone's telling you, oh, you're going to write a book or you have this podcast that's so stupid or whatever it is, you allow that to impact you or you allow it not to impact you. I choose to not have those things allowed to impact me anymore. And that's made all the difference. So if my mindset's positive, if I have self-awareness, hey, these are the things I need to work on to get better. Now that I don't have the negativity around me of people telling me, or I'm not, I'm not accepting like people saying, oh, you're not good enough, you can't do this. Now I have a better opportunity to actually succeed um, in life, right? So I think that's another key. I think a lot of people, you know, they want to keep up with the Joneses. They got to have the, this is a great, again, this is one of those things that probably most people have seen or some have seen that have flowed around. It's like the whole adage of, you know, you work a job you hate to buy things you don't need to impress people you don't like, right? <laughs> yeah. You've probably seen that. Yeah. Um, and it's just fascinating to me that that's how people live their life. And by the way, I probably lived my life like that in my in my 20s, in my late 20s. Um, I was probably like, yep, I, I need that. Not that I need the shiny car type thing, but it's just like, hey, what do these people think about me? I'm, I should do this because that's going to make people think different. And that's just the culture we live in. That's the Instagram. You know, I just saw this Instagram is making an update where they're taking likes away, which I think is going to be fascinating. Um, we'll see if they fully roll it out. I think it's in beta with some folks, but... It'll be interesting um, if that does come to fruition, like, because let's get away from the like culture. Let's share great content. Let's enjoy it. But just because you have 5,000 likes versus having four likes, does that mean you're a better or worse person? I don't think so. Um, so anyways, and then the last thing. So if I haven't gone too deep, I'll go one layer deeper. Having all that is great. But one of the most impactful things for me um, and there's probably 20 others I can name if we have the time, but is having your fitness and nutrition in check. I feel better at 36 than I've ever felt in my life. And that's because I changed, not that I was ever, fortunately, I've never been like obese or anything like that, but I definitely was soft. I definitely didn't have muscle structure or was strong in some part, parts of my life. Um, but changing around my whole fitness um, regime um, especially the last couple of years doing CrossFit four or five times a week minimum, um, changing around my nutrition 
is been the most impactful thing for me. So being able to, um, uh, I, you know, I'm a pescatarian. I, you know, I don't, I don't drink cow's milk, you know, besides every, you know, if I have ice cream or something, it might be in it. But, um, basically like for the most part, eating as healthy as I can. So like I mentioned ice cream, those are like half a percent of my entire nutrition over the course of the year, having like snacks and stuff like that. Most of the time it's a lot of, again, fish or greens or some fruit and stuff like that. Having a healthy, nutritious diet. Um, I also do intermittent fasting and I'm not saying everyone needs to do everything the same, but what I encourage people to do is explore what your body needs and then try to go in that direction. Maybe talk with a nutritionist, get a, get an opinion, something different than your own, because what a, a lot of people, if they dive deep in their research is they realize that the society norms are actually wrong. It's a lot of marketing. It's a lot of lobbyists that put out information that are absolutely untrue. And there's no factual evidence to back them up besides they're trying to sell product. So I would just encourage people on that. And then right on that line, if you're not getting at least seven hours of sleep plus a night, you're killing yourself. Sleep has been with all of this fitness and nutrition, sleep has been the catalyst for me to stay healthy, um, to not get sick, to have energy, it's been a huge part of it. And there's a great book out there called Why We Sleep um, by Dr. Matthew Walker. You can search him online. He was on Rogan's podcast. He's been on some others, but it's a fascinating book and fascinating just guy. Um, he's a I think he's a neuroscientist just around how sleep impacts so many different parts of your life. Um, and is really, he calls it the elixir of life. Um, that most people that are not getting that they're getting six hours, five hours, four hours of sleep. They carry it as a badge of honor. It's actually killing them and putting in the grave a little bit quicker and causing disease like Alzheimer's and stuff like that, that actually can be linked back to that. Um, so there's been a lot of learning in 10 years. Sorry to go too deep on that, but I think those hopefully are a couple things where some folks can take some, some little nuggets of each of those and maybe do some research on their own and, and figure out what's best for them. Thanks for checking out episode six. Up next is a woman in her mid-40s who's dealing with aging parents that she needs to be the primary caretaker for. It's a little bit different theme of the blunder years period of life, and it should be out next week, probably around the 15th or 16th. In the meantime, keep crushing it on the second act of life. We will be back shortly.